Welcome to the Trey Blanco Podcast and Grill. We have a fine assortment of hot takes and bad predictions for you to sample this evening. On today's menu, the Cowboys. Today's special is the Cowboys. So you'll be having the Cowboys? Fine selection, sir. And now, here's your head chef. Um, he's not really a chef. Well, Trey Blanco. And his faithful busboy, Daniel Davidson. How you doing, man? It's been a while, hey, bro. Feeling good, man. Feeling great. You know what I'm saying? One step closer to that football season coming up. So one step closer, man. Yeah, I feel man. like it's like right there at the door camp. Rookie, rookie mini caps are going on this week, man. So I'm excited about it, man. So everybody showed up. So that's good too. Right, everybody <laughs> no, yeah. showed up. Everyone's healthy. Dan Quinn out there getting some reps that's in everything saying, too. Yeah. So it's healthy, all good. Vaccinated. I think we're ready to roll, man. Yeah, man. Everyone's yep. And so, like, here we are, y'all. Trey Blanco's podcast and grill. Your boy Ed White, aka Trey Blanco, here with you today as well. My sous chef Daniel. Speak to the people. What do you do, baby? Let's get it, baby. And uh DR Lewis not. The third, third <laughs> is not here with us today. He's out mm. here. He's actually doing some work. MIA. And so, but uh, he's MIA. And uh, before I get started, I want to uh, thank our last host, uh, Josh Edwards of CBS Sports. Um, he came in and did a great job on a pre-draft episode and gave us some great insights. And it was, I, I listened back on it multiple times. And uh, it's up there in our best episodes, man. <laughs> so <laughs> it is up there. Top three, man. And I want to, so Josh, if you hear this, man, I want to thank you again for joining the show, man. We really do appreciate it. You're always welcome anytime, bro. For sure. All right. So let's get to it, man. The 2021 NFL draft has ended about two Oof. weeks ago. A lot of stress for us, us Cowboys fans is wondering what's going to happen. And the draft night did not disappoint in the mm. stress. So um, I'm going to announce our, our, uh, our draft, our draft picks. And without, um, without giving out the, our first round pick uh, was Micah Parsons linebacker out of Penn state. Second round pick Kelvin Joseph out of uh, Kentucky cornerback out of Kentucky. Uh, third round pick. We had three of these third round picks. Osa Ottawaza. Uh, defensive tackle out of UCLA, and I'm sorry if I uh, butcher your last name. Uh, another third round pick, uh, Chauncey Golston, defensive end from Iowa. Uh, Deshaun Wright, cornerback at Oregon State. Now coming to the fourth round, Jabira Cox, linebacker at LSU. And then Josh Ball, offensive tackle out of Marshall. Our fifth round pick, Simi Fico, Fihoko, uh, rival receiver out of Stanford. Um, two six-round picks, Quentin Bohana, defense tackle out of Kentucky, Israel Mokuamu, cornerback out of South Carolina. And then last but not least, in the end of the draft was Matt Ferenuk, guard out of Nebraska, man. And so 11 picks. And uh, as they, as you know, as I see him play more, I'll probably be able to pronounce their names a lot better. I, I'm with you on the team. I, I, was like, I, was like, I was like, God bless you, Ed, because I was like, bro. I... <laughs> see, this is why we have DR on the show, because he's, he's he's a writer. He's a he's good at that Shoot, stuff. And so he'd be able to figure out where words and how phrasing goes and all that. But, you know, he'll he'll probably roast us later. But, yeah, man, <laughs> um, the reason – so the Cowboys went into the draft with 10 picks. Um, then we know – I'm going to say our two 
wanted picks at a J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan got picked right before us. And so they traded back and picked up an extra third round pick and they traded back with our with our hated rivals, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, two spots to get uh, Michael Parsons. So before I get any further, Daniel, let's tell me your thoughts on draft night, brother. Man, it, it was a great night. Um, you know, I think we're all looking forward to it for so long with all the stuff going on with COVID. We're probably going to have fans out there. And it really doesn't disappoint because the draft overall had a lot of moves going on, trades here and there, uh, teams getting QB hungry, like they like they were saying. So, like we had thought, you know, the QBs kept going one after another after another. So, this, this talent kept just tumbling down, tumbling down. I was like, oh, man, the Cowboys in a good spot here. Um, but then there were some surprises, unfortunately, ahead of us, which took quite a bit of the talent we were looking for. Um, you know, we, we lost, lost the tackle, um, both the cornerbacks, like you had said. So it was very interesting. Um, we came, like you said, into the draft with 10 picks. I think a lot of people thought we might kind of start wheeling and dealing, maybe move up a little bit, move around. Um, but we actually moved back, got another pick, and used all 11 of the picks. So I think that was a little bit surprising for a lot of fans is that, yeah, they used them all. Um, and not saying they're all going to make the team, but they definitely were, you know, doing their best to try to address the issue with the defensive side because the vast majority of these picks were on defense. It was, was it until, God, not until the, the uh, fourth, fourth round, yeah, the fourth, fourth round, round to actually get someone on offense. So I was like, yeah, they, they're, they're going, there's definitely a theme to this draft. Um, the first theme, of course, was defense. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, that's why I kind of wish Derek was here for this one, though, is I don't know if you got this though but it really felt more like a al davis type of draft that we were going through the reason why i said that though is because every guy that we picked was either like a four 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 three type of dude or super lengthy or whatever and it was all about the measurables for for this draft so not sure that's good or bad you know you know how that worked out with al davis and his raiders uh it really seemed like we were drafting more to fit the scheme rather than the best player available type of thing um say what you want for that I know in the past few drafts, we've been going best player available. It's, it's worked out quite well for us. So I'm a little bit skeptical for this draft overall. But, you know, it, it is interesting, though, to see who they picked up. Uh, we'll go through it in a little bit here about all the different picks. But a lot of these guys, you know, have, I think, the potential to have a very high ceiling, but also a very low floor as well. <laughs> um, so I can very easily see, like, oh, man, the Cowboys killed this draft and found, you know, just so many – uh, diamond rough type of players almost like Seattle did you know uh, back in the day with Dan Quinn and it turns the defense into just like a monster for years to come but I can also see the other side to where it's like yeah they kind of uh, reached on a lot of different people and like half these dudes aren't even on the team and it's already been like a year or something and I wouldn't be so t- too surprised if that happened either so um, yeah we can get into a little bit more for easy, easy to pick but it was very interesting uh, entertaining no matter what though because of all the guys we were getting but there were a two or three or four head scratchers in in this in our uh, our draft picks that we can talk about uh but it's gonna be interesting to see how we're gonna use it um another big thing that we kind of got during the draft night was the uh was dan quinn talking about his defense and the scheme going forward you know we were like oh dan quinn you know from the 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 heralded seattle defenses when they were just you know just murking people just killing shutting down everybody so we're gonna go to the four three like oh cool awesome that's when the Cowboys were at their best back in the day, you know, in the four, three, Jalen Smith, Vander Itch were all flying around to the ball, making plays. And then he drops the bomb was like, okay, he's going to actually going to try to get a little bit more multiple. Um, we heard that word before uh, earlier, <laughs> earlier for last season. You were like, uh Oh, but yeah, he, he said it though. He's actually wants to add some more three, four elements into the defense. You know, he said that, you know, his time away from Seattle, uh, his time in, in Atlanta when he had, you know, lost that job. He kind of was thinking about tweaking some stuff and he came to the realization that, hey, we got to go multiple. So 
that's why this draft is a little bit different because I think they're drafting to kind of fit that because we really don't have a lot of people that do well in the three, four, which is kind of what we saw with the multiple before. So you kind of have to have players to fit that. Um, me personally, I probably would prefer to try to fill some of those with some veterans from the free agency and focus on getting some talent, you know, on, on the field, but Hey, geez, their own, you know, we use all the picks and we have to kind of take it, take some time to shop at some shot at it. And that's what we did. So, It'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but it definitely wasn't a boring draft whatsoever. So I'm I'm excited to go over it today and to kind of see what happens after, you know, the season actually starts and preseason and everything. Cool, man. Well, keep that thought because you said something that, that caught me and you said there's three or four reaches that you kind of feel uneasy about. So I want you to keep that thought in, in your head because we're going to get back to that. We're definitely going to get back to that. And so just like like Daniel said, man, like there's something that's very anticipated. And I want to say a couple of things from the entire draft. You know, uh, Roger Goodell and the NFL team did something pretty cool, man. They put the chair from the 20 You thought that was cool? I thought it was pretty cool, oh. man. You know, this is why it was cool, because they allowed the fans to go up there on the stage and interact with the, the people announcing the picks. So I think I think that was the cool part of it. They allowed the fans to actually interact with the announcers. And so I thought that part that part of it was pretty cool. And so that's a good PR rep. Like, get the fans up here. Let them interact with the legends, uh, Roger Goodell. And there's – so your team legends. Like, you're a fan and, like, you see um, – Oh man, the original 88 got go out there and he made his announcements. You get to shake his hand. Like that's a big like how big how many opportunities do you have that as a fan? So I thought that was pretty cool. This is why I didn't like it though, because all they really did was have them come up there, sit on the chair, and just chill. But when it came time for the pick, though, the commissioner still made the pick. Yeah. Like, I thought it'd be yeah. dope. It's like, hey, we're picking people from the crowd, maybe pre-select them or whatever. And for the first round, we're calling you up, you sit in the chair, and when it's your time, you go up there and you say all the names out too. So that way you can dab up the players and the commissioner does it as well. But they were just like, cool. yeah, come on, come on, stay, sit in this chair. And then they sat there and <laughs> kind of chilling there, like all awkward. Cause you know, it takes the teams like what, seven, 10 minutes to actually be the pick. So it's basically sitting there like looking around the crowds, like, well, okay, what, pictures, I, what do I do man. now? He's taking pictures I, and all that. It's I, like, I guess. And then at the end of it, you know, thing. then the commissioner comes out and walks past him, like oh, a little handshake and, and like, all right, cool. I'm gone. So I was like, ah, the commissioner was showing the pick though, too. Like the commissioner was showing them the card. <laughs> and so, yeah, but I mean, they could have done more to it, but the idea of it was a decent idea. I'll give him a, I'll give him a C plus on the idea of it. Oh, okay. So you gave him kind of barely passing. Yeah, I don't barely know. Barely passing. Because yeah. like, I have to give a D on said, that, man. Because if they would have announced the picks, it would have been more cooler. Not the well, it would actually have more involved instead of just them walking up on the stage and sitting down. At that point, it's like, well, now it's just. It's well, maybe, whatever. Hopefully they do better next year. And I was like, I was joking with, uh, I forgot who I was watching it with, but I was like, I wonder if they're going to wipe off the chair after every single, <laughs> every single fan did, out there. Did, did they, I, think, I don't did think they, so. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't think so. But we're going, we're going down the rabbit hole. That's the first rabbit hole of the new season. Oh, <laughs> I'm, like I said, man, it, it wasn't boring though. Like I, I actually had a lot of fun critiquing what they were doing with this whole it, presentation. And it everything. definitely was not boring, man. And like, like you said, the quarterbacks were going off the, off the, off the, uh, off the selection board, Trevor Lawrence already Oof. knew the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson, number two. Um, ooh, I almost said Trevor Lawrence again. Trey Lance at number three, and the surprise drop. And so I don't know if it was a surprise to you, Justin Fields dropping as far as he did, and then the Bears, uh, Bears doing the right thing, trading up and sniping him at the at pick eleven. I honestly thought he was going to drop to the Patriots. I think I said it in the chats, like the Patriots about to get Justin Fields, and they're about to ball out <laughs> with Justin Fields <laughs> and having Cam Newton as their as his mentor, but. Um, it was it was very interesting to watch, especially with the trades. And though, as a cowboy fan, um, I was sitting there watching. I was like, okay, cool, this is good. This is good. Panay Sewell got picked up at number seven. I was like, All right, cool. 
I don't I like I kind of thought the Panthers were going to go QB and I mean uh, CB cornerback uh, and I was like okay we'll lose JC Horn we'll get uh, Patrick Sertan because I was for sure that the Broncos are going to get Michael Parsons man I was like I, I thought like, they I thought they would have got a quarterback honestly but or or they, or they would have gotten the Justin Fields game too mm-hmm. and so like because I saw because Justin Fields is still dropping I was like okay cool so the Broncos kind of have a choice right now where they want to go with the quarterback or they want to go with the Mike uh, Micah Parsons. And so when they picked Patrick Sertan, man, I was so pissed off. I was like, damn, man. Came out of nowhere. I was like, what are y'all doing? Completely out of nowhere. This completed this. I thought I was like, man, that was a big old screw you to the Dallas Cowboys, man. Because that's what it was. <laughs> and so we traded back to the Philadelphia Eagles because uh, we all knew that the Eagles needed a right receiver. Same thing for the Giants. And so, like, they, the Eagles wanted to beat up the Giants real quick and pick up Jalen uh, Waddle. Or was it Devontae Smith? I hope it was Jalen Waddle. I believe uh, they got they, they got Devontae. Devontae Smith. I'm sorry. So they picked up Devontae right. Smith, yeah. and um, then uh, then you know the Giants traded back with the Bears to pick up Justin Fields. Then the Cowboys is up. Like this point, I'm I didn't know who we were gonna do, man. I thought we were gonna go to the offensive tackle and Rashawn Slater. Um, I thought we were gonna trade back again, to be honest with you, man, because I thought we were gonna try to pick up a cornerback like one of the later cornerbacks. But we went Michael Parsons, and um, I was a little okay with it you know because if you remember during our draft episode though i asked josh like oh there have been some rumblings that the cowboys if he's there they might be looking at the yeah. linebacker michael parsons i do and according to them i mean you, you never can tell after the draft but they said they, they actually had him higher on the board than the the two cornerbacks yeah, but they, you don't you, you don't you don't ever really know they're gonna say whatever they're they gonna yeah, say whatever so. they want after the draft man but uh after like after doing some film homework you know on his highlights on youtube and uh watching a couple of his games back on on the playback. And I was like, oh, this kid can actually play. And so mm-hmm. he, and um, I'm excited to have him. And so I hope he comes in and he has, he has a lot of energy to come in with and uh, ready to ball out. So I wish him nothing but the best for the Cowboys. And uh, he's wearing number 11 again. So I was pretty, pretty, it's already selling off the shelves right now too. Yeah. But um, as later drafts, as the draft went on, like I felt like we continued to get like sniped, you know what I mean? And so <laughs> <laughs> like in, in the second round, all three safeties I was looking at in Richie Grant, uh, the safety out of TCU, and there was a, I think the safety out of Stanford uh, as well got picked up before before our second round pick, and like right before us, as each time, each and every time, it's like, why are we getting sniped each and every time before our pick? Like this is ridiculous. Like why are we? <laughs> hey, we, we were never gonna draft a safety, bro. Not that high. <laughs> I was like, I was like, how, oh, Javon Holland out of Oregon, that's the third safety. Mm. I was like, how is this always ha- Like how is this consistently happening to us each and every like each and every round? So I was kind of pissed off about that too. Um, but you know. The, the pick that, because I'm going to segue to you for going back to you, the pick that surprised me the most is uh, our third, third round pick in Nashawn Wright. And so, uh, Kit was, um, he was on Last Chance U. I forgot what year, what season he was for Last Chance U, but he was on there as mm, a project. That, 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 was, that was his brother. Oh, it was his brother? He had left right before they actually went to that school because he has a, oh, a younger gotcha. brother named Rayshon, and they're about the same size too. And okay. they went to the same college as well. But, yeah, he actually was the one that left before his brother got there. But his brother was actually on that show. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So okay. That's probably why I don't remember what season it was. I was really yeah. thinking. I was like, I watched that show. Like, I really don't remember <laughs> this kid. <laughs> but, um, you know, six, he's a big dude. Six four, mm-hmm. 190, lengthy, you know, like we talk about. But, like, many announcers had him graded as a six-round pick. 
And I was like, why do we reach for this kid? You know, there's there's still talent at the end the third round. So that's my that's my only questionable, well, not my only questionable, but my one questionable pick that we have. And so um overall I'm I'm happy with the draft that we did. And so, like you said, we addressed, we definitely went after defense. Um, I feel like we kind of we could potential to address the backup at the offensive line position and hopefully uh, produce uh, produce from that end of it. Um, but like you said, man, there's a lot of guys with some high ceilings. There's a lot, a lot of guys with some very low floors. Uh, so <laughs> it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens as the draft, as these players, as these players play and as their NFL careers go down the road. And so um, what were your three, um, reach three, you said three or four. So what were your reaches? I'm not gonna give you a number. So what were your reaches that you, uh, say was in the draft? Um, I'll just, I'll go down the list. Um, not in terms of what the most, the highest, like the biggest reach was, but kind of just in terms of the rounds. Um, the first one I see is going to be from round two, Kelvin Joseph. Uh, because if you do some research about, you know, his background, while he is very talented, I think he runs like a, almost like a four, three, um, great ball skills and everything. He's had a lot of issues off the field and with coaching staffs from wherever he's been. I think he first originated, he first started with LSU, um, had some runs with them. I think it's some, some issue with the team rules and they had to transfer. He ended up going to Kentucky, uh, still there, you know, a very good player, but also had some issues with the coaching staff there. So played a few games and they ended up opting out, um, you know, for a season, then he got drafted. So this is one of those players who, like we were saying, it, he's one of those boomer bust picks to where he has all the tools that you would want in a cornerback to be able to, uh, you know, potentially be a star in this league, which is, you know, great. At that point, it's great value. It's like, oh, it's like a first-round pick in the second round. But the reason why he fell so far, though, was because of his issues he's having with, you know, with the coaching staff. Um, yep. You know, that's two different schools that he had an issues with them to affect his playing time, and ultimately ended up him either leaving or resulting to not actually play. So although in that sense that we had to reach for Kelvin Joseph when we still had on the board Asante Samuel Jr., Bingo. So in that sense, I was like, okay, well, I, I see what they're trying to do because, you know, they're trying to, like, we got to fix this defense. Now we can't, you know, afford to kind of just get like a middling round player or whatever. Let's go ahead and try to get like maybe potential starters here and be good to go. But I think that might've been a potential reach so early in the draft. Um, the second one comes up is going to be our DN out of Iowa, Chauncey Golston. Now, the reason why I think that one was a bit of a reach is because while he is a quality player, what he's known for is being a run-stopping DN, and, you know, that's about it. Usually in these type of rounds, you know, first, second, third, you're trying to find those impact players that could potentially be, you know, uh, starters almost on day one or can grow into that pretty quickly. And I kind of thought that spending that pick on someone who's not really a pass rusher at all but just known for his run-stopping, I don't know if we had that luxury on the defense right now to be like, okay, we don't really need, you know, additional impact players. Just like just stop the run and you're, you're good to go. So I think in that sense that that guy could have been spent elsewhere, maybe even on another DT um, because we are struggling still DT, you know, took one before that pick. Um, I thought that that was also a bit of a reach. Uh, but again, I think it's still trying to fit that system for the three, four. They wanted that, you know, that, that five technique out there or something. Um, and then of course, the next pick coming up is going to be nation, right? Um, I think a lot of people had him going in the sixth or seventh round. Well, I think he does have a lot of potential because he has great ball skills. Um, you know, like I said, great size as well. This is pretty much like them trying to find another Brandon Browner from the from uh, from Seattle. You know, that monster, uh, large cornerback that can kind of bully some people and and cover the and cover the big receivers in that zone system. So, while I can see what they're going for with that. Again, if really if they had 
if he was going to be there, maybe laying around four, five, even six, then that's kind of, I think, just bad draft management because it's not only just finding the best players, but also finding them, you know, in those certain rounds to where you get more more value out of that pick, right? So if you find someone where Nation is like, oh, you know, he was a good player. He ended up being, you know, a rotational player. It's like, well, that's good. But if you could have got, you know, him later on and also got another player in that same, with that pick you pick for him, that's going to be a starter. That could have been two starters you had, but you missed all one of them because you drafted them too high. So in that sense, I think I thought that was a reach as well. Um, aside from that, though, I, I wasn't too upset. Uh, I think we did what we had to do. Again, a lot of the picks, there's another theme, not only just the whole, you know, um, 40 time or being really athletic, but we're also taking a lot of dudes that had some issues off the field or on the field that were kind of giving another shot because they are so talented. Now, I know the Cowboys have been critiqued about this in the past, you know, um, with, with some people we have brought in before. But it seems like they're kind of going down that route as well, which, which is fine to a certain extent. But when you have a lot of players that kind of fall in the same category, then it's like, okay, well, I don't – for our coaching staff, you know, I'm not sure if we're that solid to where we can afford to have a lot of people that potentially might have some more issues that they bring in outside of even trying to get ready to play the game every Sunday that we can, you know, hold everything together. Because, again, uh, I think we saw all last season what happened with our defense – many times we were laying down um we had to get rid of a lot of veterans on the team because they were uh, you know talked to the locker room so in that sense i'm not sure we actually have the leadership in place right now on the defensive side of the ball to be able to handle all that but i guess we'll have to wait and see um but again what i was talking about with that was actually was for josh ball he's on offense though but he had some issues in terms of you know him him being uh accused of domestic abuse domestic violence as well um, which is the reason why he actually had to leave and go to another school, Marshall. So, uh, but aside from that, though, I thought the other picks are okay. Uh, I'm really am. I was happy we, we picked up Simi Fihoko because he seems like he's going to be like a height, weight, speed freak type of receiver. Is in the yeah. fifth round, so I think that's a perfect pick for to take a flyer or something like that. Um, we finally got that that run stop and nose tackle in Quentin Bohan- Bohanna. So that was pretty awesome too. And then of course, Israel, uh, another, I think he's, oh, he's also six, four cornerback too. Yeah. Um, but I think they actually want him to possibly uh, convert over to safety as well. So uh, overall, you know, a lot of interesting pieces that we picked up for the draft. Um, again, I do think we do have those three to four reaches that are included in there. And also we have the concerns about the off the field stuff too. So if you, if you look at it, um, and we can kind of go through each of the pick later on. But if you look at it, though, I think a lot of people were split on this draft. You'll find people saying, oh, they did a pretty solid job in addressing the defensive issues. So you get a B. Other people were giving out like D grades and stuff. Like, what are they doing? They're kind of reaching on everybody. So yeah. this is one of those polarizing drafts, which not sure how that's going to play out because in the past, again, the past couple of drafts, pretty much most people were like, oh, yeah, it's pretty solid, if not spectacular draft. And we kind of saw that play out with who we we're picking up. So again, you got to trust in the coaching staff. But this is going to be an interesting one to see play out. Definitely going to be interesting, man. And uh, I, the Golston pick, I agree with you on that. But they already they're comparing him to um, Tyron Crawford as well. He's the same type of bill, similar bill, similar uh, metrics as far as like pre-draft metrics on forty and times and all that. So they're comparing him to uh, Tyron Crawford, that type of player. Um, I do my favorite pick out the draft is not. Um, and I think the biggest steal out the draft that we had was Jabril Cox in the fourth round, man. Um, and so I believe in that three, four potential scheme. And even in, in a four, three type of situation, um, he's able to run with the tight end at the same time. And um, he's able to go out there and, and he's another 
potential X factor on the defense. And so um, I, that one thing, one thing that I'm not going to harp too hard on this draft is because like we addressed, I feel like we addressed some defensive issues that needed to be addressed. And so we needed some run stopping players. And so we, we got that with Michael Parsons and Jabril Cox and the, the defensive tackle, uh, Quentin Bohana out of Kentucky. He's a, he's a plugger. And so he's going to plug up that middle of the, that middle of the, uh, of the field for the, for the off, for the defense. And he's going to look good. Um, like you said, Israel, another big dude. Um, but they, he's been getting reps at safety um, with the at minicamp, so it looks like they're gonna make that move with safety. And so, like, I feel like the Cowboys did what they had to do in this draft, and that's address the needs. And so, um, you could say, yeah, we all agree that yeah, they reached on some players um, that we they probably should have waited on, or they probably should have picked somebody else. And so, I think that Kelvin Joseph and Asante Samuel will probably go down. It will be interesting to see how their both careers fall out to be because um, Asante Samuel was picked up like two or three picks after um, Kel- Kelvin Joseph. So it's not like the Cowboys didn't have the opportunity to get him. So it's going to be interesting to see how that falls out. Um, but oh, I hope Kelvin Joseph balls out, man, because uh, like you said, he had because there's been there's been coaching concerns with him. And there's also been concerns on his wanting to actually play football. And so mm-hmm. um, and and he has a rap album, too, and all that. So we're trying to focus whether or not he's ready to actually legitimately play football, and focus on football or he wants to go down a rap career. And so it's interesting to see what will happen, man. But I'm I'm still hopeful, <laughs> as always. <laughs> sunshine and <Ed>, sunshine. <laughs> So we'll see what happens with that, man. And so if you do you want to go pick by pick and give grades or what? Yeah, we can do that or talk about him a little bit. Maybe just discuss a little more in depth. All right. So let's talk Micah Parkins. It's inside middle line, inside linebacker or thing. That's, that's what he played at Penn State. Uh, pick number 12 in the first round, man. What's your thoughts on him? Oh, I mean, I, I actually love Marcus Parsons. I think he's going to be a weapon, you know, wherever he went to. That's why I thought he might have gotten a little bit higher than, than us just because, you know, he has that that crazy speed. He really does have legit 4-3 speed, um, made a ton of plays at Penn State if you ever saw him play. Um, as he got uh, pretty decent pressure on the quarterback as well. So there actually have been some discussions that he might be used more than just as a middle linebacker, maybe on certain passing downs or passing situations. He actually may switch, switch outside and be used on a lot of blitzes and such too. So you may see a more blitz heavy scheme from the Cowboys coming up just because, you know, they have this weapon and you might as well go ahead and, and, and let them loose. Um, and also thought, you know, it is our, one of a lot of our criticisms from last year was about the linebacker play. So it kind of just made sense that, okay, Hey, we're going to address this from, from the get-go. Everybody's on notice. You know, Jalen Smith and Veteran are both on notice that, hey, yep. we spent just premium draft capital on a potential replacement. So at that point, you had to show up or do something, you know, because if not, we already have your, your backup waiting in the wings, and he's <laughs> getting paid a lot of money. So we're going to try to do all we can to kind of push him into your role. Yep. And I think, you know, in, in this day and age for, for the NFL, you kind of need to have those athletic linebackers out there. Now, Micah's not known for his cover skills. Um, perhaps he can work on that and kind of improve them, but he at least does have the athletic ability to, you know, make quite a few plays in space, which he already did in college quite a bit as well. And like we said, be used for other situations in regards to either stopping the run or blitzing the quarterback. So I think it just kind of gives another weapon for us to use and kind of have more uh, more, more abilities or, or, or more, you know, just just uh, different schemes we can use in terms of going against against people. And you have to kind of – uh, watch out for him you know where he's at on the field at all times I thought at times you know Jalen Smith and Venice kind of just you know faded into the background and kind of were just there 
and you didn't really need to notice them. They weren't making a lot of splash plays. Well, this guy, because of his speed and because of his ability, to, you know, of being a good blitzer, you know, you can't hope but notice him. He jumps off the screen. So I thought it was a really good pick. Uh, what was your feeling on, on the on uh, for Micah? I mean, you took all my thoughts, man. So I really was just gonna go to Kelvin Joseph. But... Well, let me let me ask you this: when 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 we were on the clock, did you want us to actually draft him, or was it someone else you wanted, or did you thought we maybe should have dra- uh, traded back or something? I thought I, about possibly trading back. I thought, like I said, I thought we were gonna trade back and try to get a, la- a later round pick for one of the other cornerbacks. You know, uh, the Caleb Farley's, the uh, Greg Newsom Juniors, or even Asante Samuel. Uh, the second, you know, but um, if we, and I said, I, I think I said, I think I said this to my dad. I was like, if you're going to use this pick, we can't waste it. And this needs to be a day one starter. And so, um, and I feel like Micah Parsons is that day one starter, you know, um, this, he has a lot of drive and you said something, I'm going to repeat you, but um, like we said, we, we definitely grilled the linebacker play last, last year. And um. And I definitely said this on, I believe I said it on one of, my, on one of the episodes that Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderash didn't have those impact tackles, you know. That's mm-hmm. what I said. Jalen Smith had, led the team in tackles, was like ranked in the top 10 or top uh, seven in tackles in the NFL, but he didn't have any in- impact tackles. Like, like they were just record, like just tackles. But Michael Parsons gives you that impact tackle, man. He's trying to get the tackle behind the line of scrimmage. He's trying to force a fumble. He's going after the quarterback if he's blitzing. And so, like, he's not going to waste. He's not He's wasting his feet on the field, man. So, like, Michael Parsons is that impact player. And um, there's a lot of – he's projected – he's already getting projections to be the rookie, defensive rookie of the year. And I, I believe he has that potential. And so, especially with our linebacker core, I feel like he's going to be a day one starter, man. Um like you said, LVE's on notice even extra, even more than Jalen Smith because LVE's. So who, who are you gonna sit down then if he's day one? I'm fi- I'm sitting down LVE, okay. and so um, LVE doesn't have his fifth. They didn't pick up his fifth year option, and so this is his last year, man. He's trying. So if he wants to earn that contract with the Cowboys, he needs to find a way to beat out Micah Parsons, in my opinion. And so um, if we're going out there in a dime in dime formation, um, like it will be interesting to see how Jalen Smith develops on his passing coverage because um, I feel like. It could, we could see Jalen Smith and LVE only used in four, three situations with um, Michael Parsons out there. And so, like, but any type of dime, uh, nickel package, three, uh, four, three, we can even, maybe in three, four packages, you may be seeing them on one of them on there. But I, we may see, we may have seen the last of either LVE or Jalen Smith as a Cowboy this season, to be honest with you. And so it'll be interesting to see who who, who survives this season. I, I said in our chat, it's like that linebacking room, that linebacker room is very filled with, is t- filled with talent. And it's, well, it's going to be crowded. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be competitive, man. So moving on down to Kevin Joseph. Um, oh, I think, but before you go on, oh, to that, I actually wanted to ask you too, because um, you know, we had to, to of course trade back um, and we picked up the, uh, the third round draft pick, uh-huh. but then right after we trade back though, I think was it the, that's when the giants then traded with the bears yeah. um, for, for them to get Justin field. Yeah. But they end up getting like a, a, future first round draft pick a first round draft pick that same draft so yeah. i was like was that trade not available for us when we were on the clock or what <laughs> i was like they, they must fleece the chicago bear or they had to pay a premium to get up there it yeah. makes sense you know for the quarterback but i was like all we got was a third round pick maybe because we value michael parsons that much but mm. i was like man a, another first round next year that sounds pretty nice and a it first would, round still that same year yeah it would have been nice to get that i don't know i don't know what they were thinking. i don't know if, they, <laughs> if the bears called them or not I 
I feel like the Bears probably didn't get the call in in time, to be honest with you. And so, and so I think the Giants are actually trying to trade up as well. And so I feel like the Giants and the Eagles are competing against each other to trade up because I because th- I believe that they knew they were going to miss out on uh, Devontae Smith. So I feel like that could have been the issue, and the Bears just kind of got lost in the phone calls, to be honest. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the Giants ended up getting a good deal out of that. Gotta, uh, hell yeah. Gotta, and uh, depending on how good uh, Justin Fields is or if they really stay committed to Andy Dalton. I like so, it. Depending on how good Andy Dalton is. <laughs> I feel like the Giants are rooting for Andy Dalton more than Justin Fields. <laughs> 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 so we'll see how, how high that pick is. But uh, Kevin Joseph, I think we uh, pretty went... I think we did him pretty well. But uh, let's try to find... Some, we, let's find some bright well, spots out of him. Well, you know? I, I'll say I understand the pick, though. You know, like I said, it's a risky pick. But I think they kind of see how the makeup of the team is right now. I mean, let's be, let's be real. The offense is aging in terms of our best players with the offensive yep. line. So who knows how long they're going to be together. Um, a lot of people are coming out for contracts. Um, receivers might have to, you know, lose Michael Gallup. So at this point, it's kind of like, you know, that got paid. A lot of people got paid already. It's going to be a crunch pretty soon in terms of, oh, we can't really pay too many, you know, high-value players. We have to kind of make sure we can get them in the draft for the cheaper, again, cheaper labor for a little bit to make our runs with Dak while he's in his prime. So in that sense, I could see them saying, you know, yeah, you know, it's not like Sammy Jr. He didn't have the the issues off field, but we really think that Kelvin Joseph has the chance to not only be potentially like a day one starter, but also potentially like a star in this league because, again, he has the measurables. He has the ball skills. Um, so they're going to take that flyer or that take that risk on them because they think that the, the reward could be so great that it could help them push them over the edge to ultimately, you know, get to the playoffs, compete for a Super Bowl, which is what this is all about. So not saying that he's a terrible player or even a terrible person. I'm just saying he's had some issues in terms of the leadership with the coaching staffs. And that's something that has to be a red flag. And which is why the people were saying that he fell in the draft from the first round in the first place, because aside from that, he is a very talented player. Right. Um, but in that sense, so when you kind of weigh, you know, the people you're trying to pick versus how much time you think your team left ha- has left in terms of its, its window for competing for a title, then yeah, it makes sense to, to pick him up because he has that potential star potential. You can see it in him the way he plays and his measurables as well. Yep, and so like you said, he's one of those guys with uh, the high ceiling and um, on the uh, as a potential out there. And so what is interesting is it will be interesting to see what he says, what he does. And like you said, um, he has skills, and so he has ball hawk, ball hawk shutdown ability. And so um, if he develops and he actually hones down to the coaching and he and he actually wants to play football, man, with him and Trayvon Diggs out there, man, it'll be pretty be pretty nice you know but uh, mm-hmm. i'm not gonna say he's a day one starter um i feel like he'll probably be a uh situational player and so he's definitely gonna get playing time but i feel like he's definitely be i don't know if he's gonna be a day one starter um we'll have to see i feel like jordan lewis is really trusted but uh out there unfortunately but um hopefully he you know if he i read i'd like to see him play the opposite side of of uh Trayvon. Trayvon, Trayvon, if he if he gets it in there, um, the first third round pick was uh, the defensive uh, tackle out of UCLA, Osa. I don't. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> so right. Osa works for right now. We'll, we'll Osa, get that down. We'll, the, we'll, the big, we'll, the big. We'll we called him Big O, and so <laughs> um, he he played in the three four. Uh, de- he, he's a defensive end prospect in the three four type of situation. So he's that he's that big dude. 
coming out of UCLA, 6'2", 282 pounds, another lengthy guy, um, another guy who gets after the gets after the ball. And so with the defensive line issues that we had last season, you know, with um, losing Gerald McCoy, not even before, not even during preseason, before preseason, then Tristan Hill going down. Um, and although Navelle Gellimore stepped up, um, we just, I feel like the defensive, the defensive line needed more um, length, more impact, and more size. And so I feel like he's going to bring that to the team. Um, I, I feel like he's the best grade that we had at a third, at a third, our three third round picks. Um, he's one of the best ones out there as defensive tackles. Too bad we miss out. Another, another situation too. We, uh, Aleem McNeil out of NC State defensive tackle and Minton and Milton Williams, Louisiana, Louisiana Tech defensive tackle, got picked up right before our pick again. <laughs> so like yeah. another, another situation where I feel like the Cowboys got uh, screwed, like screwed. But I'm I'm okay with the uh, Osa out there, and so uh, like somebody who could is definitely gonna be a part of that rotation on the defensive line. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, for him, I don't think he was a reach in terms of, you know, his value in the third round. Um, his fit for the Cowboys, I was a little bit questioning when we made the pick. Only reason saying that, because we definitely needed DTs. I know we had mentioned that. Um, but I think we need them more for the run stopping and less really for pass rush. Like, I think we have, you know, pretty decent pass rush and DTs already. And for Osa, Osa right now, you know, looking at him, he's very athletic. He's probably going to be more towards a pass rushing type of type of DT or DN if he's in a three four. But again, like you said, he's he is only about 280, 282 pounds. I think he's about like six two. Um, so he's not a very big prospect when it comes to as as tackles go for defensive tackles. So although in that sense, it may have limited you know what he could do to alleviate some of our issues from last year, which was the run stopping. Um, just because he's he's on the smaller side. I mean, even in the three four, he'd be considered small even as the end there because usually for a three four, you can have the bigger ends. Um, in the four three, he might be okay in, in terms of uh, being a three technique. But um, I thought in terms of our needs, you know, it didn't really feel that. You know, I you know I've been proponent a big proponent of bringing in Bobby Brown. Uh, and we, unfortunately, we didn't pick him up, so I thought he might have been a good pick either there or or, or next round. Um, but for but for him though, he is gonna gonna add more to that rotation. And at the end of the day, you kind of need that on your defense to have quality linemen to rotate in to make sure that that they are fresh when it comes to the second half or the fourth quarter. Um, he didn't have a ton of production when it came to like sacks and tactical losses in, in college. But if you, if you look at a lot of the experts and the, the analysis, he has all the tools for it to happen though. So it never actually fully clicked on to where he turned to a complete monster. Cause that, that happened to our win the second round, the first round, but he does have, uh, quite a big wingspan, which is very important for being a defensive tackle, you know, to keep the, the, the guards or the tackles off of you. And he's also very athletic as well. So if we can get coached up, if we get him in maybe more of an attacking type of scheme, then yeah, he might be able to get in there and cause quite a bit of disruption. So, I mean, if it works out to how we had planned for last year to where, you know, the, our offense is like just running all cylinders, running up the score all the time, and now teams are having to throw the ball all the time, then, hey, we don't have to worry about stopping the run because they have to keep throwing the ball to keep up with us. And in that sense, he's going to be possibly, you know, a big disruptor in, in that aspect. But if it comes down to where, you know, it is some some tight games, I'm not sure if he can assist us so early on in his career in terms of being that run stopper that we're looking for. But, you know, as we go on, we'll see that we we kind of address that later on in the draft as well. But I'm, I wasn't too mad at the pick, but I was a little bit scratching my head about the, the fit overall for that need in terms of run stopping. Yep. Cool, man. So uh, going down to Chauncey Golston, um, we kind of set our thoughts on him as well. And so the deep, this there's two there's two rooms on the defensive side that's going to be filled, man. 
and it's filled with like with people. I'm not gonna say with talent on the LB side, it'd probably be filled with talent. But that front end, that front four, those uh, defense tackles and that defensive end is gonna be filled with filled with um with players, you know, and everyone's fighting for playing time, you know. Um, when you look at Chauncey Golston come coming in at the next pick, you know, he's in a room with DeMarcus with D Law, Randy Gregory, Terrell Basham, a pickup that we had, Brent Urban, another pickup that we had in the offseason. Doris Armstrong trying to play, get trying to get another contract this year. It's also on a contract. And then our last season's draft pick in a Brad Bradley Anay. And so that defensive in room, defensive tackle room is going to be pretty tight, adding with Chauncey Golson. And so Chauncey Golson, um, like I said, they t- try to compare him to um Tyron Crawford as far as size and skill. And so he's also one of those guys that play that could play in that three tech um standing in position as far as he's a 6'5, 269. Um, coming out of Iowa, and so it's um it's interesting to see that Dan Quinn, what Dan Quinn's trying to build. You kind of see what he's trying to build in right now. He's trying to build guys to go after the quarterback, you know, and um and I feel like that's what he sees in Chauncey Golson, and I you could say the same thing what he saw in Osa as well. But um, there, I just I don't know if we're going. We're taking too many reaches, you know what I mean? And so I feel like uh, Chauncey was a reach at the same time as I think we talked about a few minutes ago. But mm-hmm. uh, we just have to see what happens. And I mean, he has skills, and so he has lengthy arms. He's able to get off the. He's ready. He's able to get off the. Uh, get off the ball. He's able to fight off these defensive tackles. So he has shown some highlights in college. You just have to see if they transfer over the, into the NFL and if he actually gets the playing time. Like I said, that. Playing time for those positions right now is going to be very tight. Yeah. Um, with everybody out there. So what's your and you already gave your thoughts on Chauncey, but you have anything you want to close out with? Well, kind of when you start though, you kind of were uh, <laughs> echoing a little bit um, what I was going to say because um, like you know some people, some players are the talent. And you want to try and be stressful, and some people are more to kind of fill a role. But for me, I was like, usually in the third round, you don't really want to draft filler players. I think in the third round, you're still looking for potential starters slash you know potential even stars maybe at some point in time. So I think a lot of people had the, the notion that for Chauncey, he's more of the filler type in terms of he's just really good or he's his, he gets his, his, his paycheck from stopping the run. Yeah. And hey, if, if we keep it honest, there are some players in the NFL that actually get paid a ton of money just because all they can do is stop the run. So that's not to yeah. say that he can't turn into a potential star just by being able to stop the run um, because we definitely need that. I was just thinking in terms of his attributes for if he could bring anything else to the table. I'm not sure if he can stop the run at a high of a clip to where it be where it warrants him kind of being out there for that and, and that alone. Um, so in that sense, I thought that okay, maybe not want to pick defend a pick on someone that high in the draft. If it's like okay, well he's a good run stopper. Is he going to be elite or dominant? That remains to be seen. We don't know for sure. We just know he's good at stopping the run. So I thought in that sense that you know we probably want someone who maybe could either be versatile to do both rush the passer or stop the run or at the at the very least you know be another just have another you know awesome pass rusher out there because you never have too many pass rushers on your team and in, in this day and age for the nfl and that's usually what you spend most of those top picks on are you know the the money players the pass rushers the dbs and such um but we'll have to see um because again you're saying for for chauncey i think like you say he's more on like the 260 range so i'm not sure he'll be out there as a linebacker or maybe if we go to more of the four three then he'll play some more too but in that sense, I guess at that point, he wouldn't really be an every down player or even an every formation player. Um, he'd be more situational. So we'll have to see. Uh, it kind of seems like they want to have people for certain, you know, certain formations and such that right. they switch in and out. Um, I guess that could work depending on how well they do that that one specific job. 
Um, but you know, for me, I usually think that you want someone who can do multiple things. You can put it in different stuff all the time. So you don't have to worry about subbing them in and out. Uh, but we'll have to see. Cause again, I think for him, this definitely was just a more of a scheme pick and less a best player available type of pick. And, yeah. you know, I think it's pretty obvious that what this was for because of the issue we had with the run and the, the move to be more multiple that he, he, he fits a certain, a certain specific thing we need in a multiple defense. So, uh, we have to, uh, you know, have to wait and see how it plays out. But, but for me, yeah, I, this was again, like I mentioned, one of my reaches um, for this draft so far. Yeah, and then um, we definitely have some plug-in situational players coming out of this draft. And so um, we're gonna go down to Nashawn Wright, and so someone else that we kind of already talked about pretty good. Anything else want to close out on him? Now, for Nashawn Wright, even though he was a reach, you know, per where a lot of people had him slotted, though, as you know piqued my interest in terms of what he has the potential to be. I think he has a very high ceiling um, because you actually don't see a lot of six, four cornerbacks that do well <laughs> in the NFL <laughs> or even in college for that, for that matter. Yeah. So, but the thing with him though, is he, he isn't slow. I think he ran nope. almost like a four, four or something like that. So he, he can move. And again, I, I think a key thing that we're seeing a lot in this draft too, is he has really good ball skills. So in that sense, you know, if we can, if he can get in position, you know, we don't have to worry about him not catching the ball. He'll, he'll turn the ball over quite a bit. And that's something we've been lacking for years on the Cowboys is, you know, to get those, those turnovers in terms yeah. of fumbles or interceptions and such too. So it kind of depends, you know, can he get coached up? Can he, can he hold up? Because he is only, you know, 190 pounds being six, four. So that's, mm. that's kind of, that's pretty thin, but if he's more on the outside though, it probably wouldn't be too big of an issue. You know, in terms of him battling or having to worry about, you know, the the tackles or tight ends as much, though. Yeah. Um, so for this one, you know, I'm I'm hopeful. Though I think the most uh, this third round pick is for for Nashawn Wright to potentially turn to that Brandon Browner type of player. Um, but we have to wait and see. But this definitely was also again another one of the system picks because I was like, oh, that's our Brandon Browner, right. and you, you kind of see how, how that's playing out. But again, I think Brandon Browner though went in like in the fifth or sixth round. So again, this is a little bit different from how they did it, but we'll have to see how it plays out. <laughs> yeah. And so like, like I said, he does have great potential. You know, when you, you watch his highlight tape, you definitely see him running with these fast receivers and pushing them towards the, pushing them towards the sideline, basically due to his size and speed. So he has, he has that going for him. And so in the dev, he does have the ball skills out there. And so, um, uh, he has potential. So, like, we just got to see. He's one of those – he's my let's see what happens player out of this draft, you know. And so, like, let's just see what happens with him. Um, going to the fourth round, uh, my favorite pick or my sleeper pick out of this draft, Jabril Cox, linebacker at LSU, 6'3", 232. Um, this – like I said, this kid is good. I feel like he's great in coverage. He's one of those coverage linebackers who can play man-to-man, take out – he's the same size. He can compete with tight ends. He could be able to play zone coverage. He's a, another one of those ball-skilled type of linebackers that can make in plays, that can make plays at the position. I was shocked that we were able to get him in the fourth round. Um, I was glad that he didn't get stolen from us from picks prior. Um, I don't think he was a reach. I think it was, I think he's a sleeper. So I really do believe he's a sleeper out of this draft, man. And um, I think he's, uh, he's one of those other guys that could be um, depending on the formation that we go out there. He's, he could be out there on the field as on week one. And so um, I believe he's, he, I believe we got something that we got two linebackers that are potentially going to like, going to be great for us out of this draft with Jabril Cox and Michael Parsons, man. So what's your thoughts on Jabril? Yeah, man, this is a great pick. This is the pick that I'm used to us making in some of these drafts when we go like best player available. Yeah. Um, Cause some people might be like, okay, why are you get another linebacker when you just got one with your first pick and you already have, you know, two ones that you pay some 
piece of money to, you know, in Randerettes and, and Jalen Smith. But it's like we've been saying, man, all linebackers are currently on notice <laughs> before this team <laughs> because the way they've been performing, you know, has not has been, you know, far less than adequate. And I think even if we hadn't gotten, you know, Michael Parsons, this would have been a really good pick just because, like you said, we need someone in that sub package. We've already seen that what we currently have right now, that our current linebackers are, are not that gifted when it comes to coverage. And in this day and age, you, you need that. You have to have a linebacker, you know, someone who actually can match up with a tight end and a running back and still be able to come up and stop the run when need be. And that's what Drew Cox is. You know, that's what he did when he was uh, at LSU, even before when he was in um, in the lower division. Um, he's a very talented player. I would have been happy with him in the third round, you know, even way before this pick as well. So I was very pleased that he fell that far. And in, like you said, the boy, that, that, that linebacker room is super crowded. Cause I mean, we even have uh, Keanu Neal that we, when we talk about that much, he can play linebacker too. So yeah. you can see that we're going a lot for coverage, um, you know, which is what they've always, always had in this, those old school Seattle defenses and, and Atlanta as well. They had those really fast linebackers that could cover. And this is kind of what we're doing with these picks. You know, we're making sure we, we sure up, sure that up. And we are already set, you know, in terms of if our linebackers, in terms of Jalen Smith or Van Edge, if he does end up still being the starter coming out of training camp, um, you know, if they falter, we have someone they can, we can plug in right away and not to worry about, you know, just watching that for the, the rest of the, you know, 16 games or now 17 games for the season. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was a great pick. And, again, that was more of a best player available type of situation. And I thought we made the right choice with that. Yep, agree, man. Um, going, continuing the fourth round. Now comes the offense. It comes the offense. Josh Ball, offensive tackle out of uh, Marshall. And I'll, I'll, let me give his measures real quick. He's 6'7", 308, 308 pounds, not 380, 308 pounds. <laughs> I was like, pounds. oh, Lord. I was like, good grief, that's a, that's a big boy. <laughs> but he's a, he, is a, he still is a big boy. And uh, I remember <laughs> my dad was watching the draft and with my mom, and she texted me, was like, where do they find these boys at? <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. But what the, and she also said, what do they feed them? Like, what is their dinner, dinner menu on the, <laughs> at the restaurant tag at? And so Bro, one, just imagine. I yeah, know. man. I, like, uh, <laughs> I would never want to eat with off. I, listen, I wouldn't want to pick up the tab for an officer line group um, at a restaurant. I'll tell you that much for sure. But uh, this kid, he's big. He's long, and he definitely knows how to lock onto a defender, man. Um, like he has some off the field issues, but uh, at the he has potential to be that backup tackle, uh, the backup swing tackle. He could he's going to compete with Ty uh, Nesik that we picked up in the off season for that position. Um, but uh, as the guy, we're looking to like you said, our offensive line is getting older, and Tyron Smith being the oldest man, and uh, Tyron Smith's injuries. Um, Josh Ball has potential to make this, uh, an impact out there on the field, man. And so hopefully, you know, that whole off the off the field off field situation um, gets taken care of. But uh, Andy works on his footwork. He, get, he has some footwork issues that I didn't like. He kind of stumbles on his feet, cross, crossing his feet over on tape. But uh, if he stays consistent, improves, man, I think he'll be I think he'd be a good potential player for us as well. He's one of those potential players, I feel like, for us. Um, what's your review on Josh? Oh yeah, um, I love the pick too. Um, high high ceiling for this guy. Another one of those type of picks. Again, the theme. For um, he has the potential to actually end up being a starter one day, either with us or, so, or somewhere in the league, just because he's, he's so athletic, so big, um, very talented player. Um, again, this is more of the again another one of those high risk, high reward type of situations, though, because he did have the issue in terms of the, the domestic violence. Um, you, you know, you, you hope and pray that that's in the past and 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 that's over with, but you you never really know. 
And again, that's a lot of a big reason why he fell so far in the draft to where we got him right now. Um, but like you're saying, in terms of the needs for the team, though, yeah, um, you know, we had a ton of need on defense. But another thing that we kind of saw pop up quite a bit was that O-line. Um, so we need just, you know, just some more fresh bodies in there with some potential to actually develop into either being a swing tackle or, you know, just be good def or potentially being a starter, you know, if, if we do end up hitting on, on one of these guys. So I thought it was a very good move, especially for our first offensive pick in the draft. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't mad at it at all. A really good pickup and 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 I think exactly what we needed to kind of help bolster our, our team because the offense still needs some help, too. Yep. And then um, to go into my my third of my top three favorite picks, um, Simi Fihoko, uh, rival secret out of Stanford, 6'4", 222 pounds. Um, this kid has some ball skills, man. Like, he has speed. He has good size. He knows how to track the ball, man. He he definitely has um, day, day one starter potential, but it's just unfortunate that, you know, we got Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, and Amari Cooper um, <laughs> out there. So he's not going to be out there day one. But uh, he definitely is going to be out there. I feel like he could beat out Noah Wilson and Cedric, Noah Noah Brown and Cedric Wilson for that number four receiver spot, man. And so um, when you talk about potential, potentially losing Michael Gallup into next season, um, Simi Fihoko comes in and replaces Michael Gallup. I feel like at that as the number three receiver, as that or the outside receiver, because um, I feel like CD Lamb's going to going to own the slot position for a while, in my opinion. But like uh, Simi Fihoko could be that Michael Gallup replacement. And the fact that we get him in the fifth round, he's good, like you said, cheap talent. He's going to be that cheap talent for the next four to five years, man. And um, hopefully he doesn't get <laughs> get big headed and want a big contract right at that fourth year. But if he uh, if he's balling out, man. But at that same time, you know, Amari Cooper is also up there in age too. And so like we were, I feel like we're potentially building for that second run. That's Dak's second, second contract, you know, because mm-hmm. Dak only has a four-year contract. So we're still building that talent for Dak's second contract that we're hopefully we give him if Dak continues to excel. So um, there's that in Simi Fihoko. What's your thoughts on him? Yeah, great pickup. Again, especially this late in the draft, this is kind of where you start getting, you know, a little more loose with it and kind of picking more for, you know, either either the filler we're looking for or potential steals that you can find later on in the draft. And and he's one of those just because, you know, he has crazy attributes in terms of his, his speed, his size, his ball skills, like you said. Um, really the only downside to him is that he's actually a little bit older than a lot of the draft, the people in the draft, because mm-hmm. I think he went on, like, on a mission trip before he uh, started going to school. So I think he's probably like about 24 or something. Um, so in terms of his, you know, growth potential, that is a little bit less than some of these other players. But um, I just think, yeah, just overall, he's a really good pickup just to have, you know, for a training camp, for another potential someone. I'm not sure if he can be a starter or not, but he has the tools there. He has to really just work on his route running skills, you know, and his awareness. But everything else though, he has, like he has the hands, he can catch the ball, he can run away from people, he can he can jump, he can moss people. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, you know, why not take a flyer on him and see if you can develop him, you know, put, put your coaches to work, your receiver coach, see if you can get something out of the kid. Because um, like you said, um, because we paid Dak so much, we have to kind of start thinking about more management for these contracts. So we need to have people waiting in the wings to take over for, you know, if Michael Gallup has to walk or if we trade him or whatever, because he's going to command, I'm pretty sure, a pretty decent sized contract mm-hmm. um, for Amari Cooper. If something happens with him, we might have to either, you know, trade him or cut him or something. You have to have people in the wings for that. Um, the fact that Amari Cooper and, and CD Lamb are so flexible in terms of being able to play outside and in the slot too, that's why this pick doesn't really, you know, it actually helps as well because he's more like an outside guy. He's not too twitchy, too uh, quick twitchy, but hey, if you can put CD in the slot and him outside, then yeah, that worked perfectly too. 
Um, so yeah, it just, it's great to, you know, add some more talent and potential to the, the back end of the roster. That way, you know, you always can kind of keep challenging the guys ahead of them and potentially, you know, groom them and develop them into someone that can actually, you know, produce for you later on down the road. Exactly. And I will group our last three picks together because we're kind of running tight on time. Uh, two six-round picks in Quentin Bohanna, um, defensive tackle out of Kentucky, Israel Mokumu, cornerback out of South Carolina, and then the Matt Farinuk guard out of Nebraska. Um, like we spoke on Quentin already, he's that he's that guy that's going to play ab- above the center. And so I really do like him. I feel like he has the size to plug up the hole in the middle of the field. Um, he definitely has the skills to still get after the quarterback in that position at the same time. And so he's a he's a big body defensive tackle that could you know could go out there and compete right away with Navelle Gilmore and uh, Tristan Hill. He's bigger than Tristan Hill. And I feel like he's about the same size of Navelle Gilmore, if not a, bit, a little bit bigger. But um, he's definitely uh, he definitely has the potential to be out there and compete for um for some playing time at that defensive tackle position at the at the zero or the one tech um i'm not gonna count him as a day one starter just yet i want to see what happens with training cap and when everyone else is out there in pads and all that but i wouldn't be surprised if he's a day one starter i'll tell you that much um then going to israel um israel they're playing him at safety uh he has potential to be a day one starter uh, with uh, especially if they don't put Keanu Neal back at safety. We could see Donovan Wilson and uh, Israel back at, back there, depending on how they feel about the uh, other safety that they brought, brought in from Atlanta. So it all depends on that. But I feel like another big body um, definitely has some ball skills. You see him, his, his, he played opposite of J.C. Horn at South Carolina. Um, but he has a he has a very he has good. He's good in zone. So I think that's why they want to play him as safety because he has very good zone ball skills um, that I've seen from his tape and uh, with many ana- analysis I said as well. And then um, going down to Matt uh, Ferenuk, you know, um, you know, we all know how I feel about Connor Williams and um, these linebackers, these, these, these <laughs> linemen who we drafted and the linemen that bring in, you know, if they want to switch down the guard and compete with Connor Williams, they have an opportunity to start. And so anybody wants to come in and compete with Connor Williams and be, be successful, man. You think yeah, the, the, the seven round draft pick is going to be able to become a starter? Hey, man, I don't, hey, yeah, give Connor Con a little bit more credit than that, brother. Bro, on, I, I, the way Connor's playing right now, not man, worse I'm, than a seventh round draft pick, though. <laughs> <laughs> the way Connor's playing right now, man, I don't know. But I mean, he's a good, he's a potential, he's that backup. I mean, so we have, we fill up, we fill up the backup right position. There. Yeah, it's salt. It's just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit, man. Kind of, I don't know how. I don't know, man. He's just disappointing, man. <laughs> he's just disappointing so far. And so now he's hopefully he's better. And um, hopefully Tyler Byatt is, you know, improves. Um, they got a slot at starting center. And so, but um, we'll we'll see that those two positions, center and that left guard position out on the line is gonna be it's gonna be interesting, man. I, hopefully those two guys, you know, hopefully our veterans, our mainstays, Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, and Lyle Collins stay healthy to kind of back these guys up, but we'll see. So let's get your thoughts on those three players. Yeah, I wasn't mad at all how he uh, finished out the draft. Um, like you're saying for for Quinn Bohanna, um, you got to have that big run stop and nose tackle if you're going to play any type of three four, and that's exactly what he does. Um, you know, he's I think 330 pounds, about six three or something. So yeah, I think he actually does have a good chance of being. Um, I guess it depends on how we start in defense, but actually being a starter and kind of pushing forward because we don't really have anybody in his his style of player body type on, on the roster right now. Right. And basically he's going to be there to uh, just take up some space and take, eat up some blockers and free up the linebackers behind him. So I thought it was a very good pick. They definitely need it. Um, may need to add more for agency, but it was a good start. I think 
Um, for Israel, also, I think another good pick, too. I thought maybe they won, like, two Brandon uh, Brandon Browners, but <laughs> they were going to put him to safety. So we'll see how that plays out. Like you said, um, very good in the zone, um, very physical, good ball skills. Um, for safety, though, you kind of need a little bit more of the speed. Um, we'll see how he does with that. Maybe he's good at, at diagnosis stuff. It won't really matter. But um, always good to have some depth over there. Um, it's unfortunate that, you know, us investing in the safety spot only came in the sixth round, but it is what it is. You know, the Cowboys <laughs> have shown how they feel about the safety position. So yeah. maybe they'll hit on him and it won't really matter. And then for the, the last person, Matt, I think Farnock. Uh, yeah, a, a good pickup too. Again, for the O-line, what we really need is like some more quality bodies back there <laughs> because we were dropping by flies. So you never really know with our offense right now, the way, you know, our starters, a lot of them have now been kind of shown to be a little bit injury prone. Um, and then the ones behind them were also getting hurt too. So you need as many bodies you can get in camp. And then hopefully if you can hit one of these guys, um, they'll either be just quality backups and rotation players. Or if you believe like Ed and they're just, you know, just – just because of Connor was in front of them, it kind of just propels them forward to greatness farther beyond they ever realized. They'll be like all pro players and stuff. That'd be awesome too from a seven hey, round draft. I'm not, draft. I'm not gonna lie, man. If I'm a guard, no matter what pick, if I'm all, if I'm coming in undrafted and I see Connor Williams as my competition, man, I'm going after it, bro. That is so much disrespect, bro. That is, <laughs> that is too much. I'm not a fan of the guy either, but that's way too much disrespect. <laughs> you like, all right, seventh round, shouldn't even be here, but hey, I'm about to be all pro now, baby. <laughs> I'm going after this guy. It's Hey man, I'm gonna I'm gonna say because we're going down another rabbit hole. Rabbit hole number two, like we lost on Ronald Leary, um, a guy who was undrafted and he balled out for us, right? But he earned his paycheck with the Denver Broncos and he had injury prone career after that. Um, even uh, Mackenzie Burdu was before Connor Williams, who played better than Connor Williams and guys who were drafted later than Connor Williams, and so like. It doesn't matter where you pick is that it doesn't really matter where you pick that. Like, but if you're talented and you go out there and work your heart, work your, I would say work your ass off and play, go out there and play. And you can earn a starting position. So that's all I'm saying about Matt Matt Burn. Those were a little bit different though. All right. They I know were. what you're trying to do because for, for Ronald Larry, he I think he was undrafted, but he actually had the talent, I think, to be like a first or second or third round draft pick well, i think he had the injury problem so he kind of fell all the way in the draft and then the cowboys got him as a uh you know the high, high end uh undrafted free agent same thing for little collins little collins yeah. had first oh. round draft pick potential there's no way we should have got little collins no we shouldn't have <laughs> but <laughs> he had them issues off the field you know that yeah. got resolved later on but he fell yeah. and then the cowboys ended up signing up they actually paid him quite a bit though when he actually signed him mm-hmm. as free agent um with that so for those type of players though that's not it's not fair because those players already had the the high end talent to compete against them no matter what. Just other circumstances had them fall. Like you were just saying, though, all right, yeah. But at the end of the day, though, he was a yeah, second no. round draft pick. Yeah, he was, but you know, he just has to. He, he really probably should have been like third round though, or fourth. Possibly, but. I can't remember who. I can't remember who was out there. Who was else out there out of his draft at the second round? Because we did not have our first. Did we have a first round that year? Um, no, no, we did. We did. I'm thinking Tristan Hill's draft. But yeah, oh, we did, yeah, we, did yeah. we did have our first round that year. Cool. Well, that's our that's our draft analysis. Kind of took a little longer there, but uh I think we got enough time. But yeah, so that's our draft analysis, guys. And so if y'all agree, y'all like, you don't, you disagree, go ahead. Hit me up on Twitter, Trey underscore Blanco, the real Trey Blanco. Let me know your thoughts. It's and uh Daniel doesn't have Twitter yet, but you know, I'll 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 share, I'll Should I get this. a Twitter? I think you should. Mm. I think it's about that time, man. Y'all, y'all doing too, century. Y'all doing good on the uh on on all the other shows, you know. Speaking so for sport, yeah. Speaking for sport, the midweek take, and even ah, oh, 
Aces for Hell with uh, Corey Zip, man. He's actually doing I, – I really do enjoy his 15-minute uh, show. <laughs> yeah. It's very it's, – it's short. It's really – I really do enjoy it, man. But Aces for Hell for all you – Aces for Hell for all you Houston uh, sport fans out there, our boy Zip is out there doing his thing out there on that radio show. I mean, I'm sorry, that podcast show. Um, Cool. So I'm going to – we're still going to do the grill. It's going to we'll be – we were pretty long today, but you know we got it's it's worth it. Um, yeah. there was a clip that the went over that went viral on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok of uh, preview football players um, going through a tackling drill. And um, if you haven't seen it, um, it was it's pretty it's pretty graphic um, as far as when you think about the size. And so what you see is this kid who's probably about who's pretty big for a six, five, seven year old. looks pretty big. He's probably like the star running back or whatever, the star player. And he's going against this guy, this other kid who's a lot smaller than he is. And they're going at an angle drill where, you know, you two, two, they start on, on parallel position or opposite sides and they run to a point. They're supposed to score up and tackle. Um, but the kid, the bigger kid lowers his shoulder, lowers his head, not his shoulder, he lowers his head into the smaller kid and the kid goes full crucifixion like laid out on the on the it's it's, it's helmet to helmet is all helmet. the all the stuff that you all the, the stuff that you don't back, that we, we don't, see back in the day in old school NFL that we don't yeah, see now that we don't see now and it basically knocks out the kid out and you hear the coaches who was filming it like oh you're right get up get up like like but and laughing and laughing at the same time and so um the reason why I'm grilling this is because like granted, I played football since I was eight, and so when I've been I've been playing tackle football since I was eight. But uh, like I told you, I never did. We always did um, wrap up drills. Never did full on tackling drills. I think I told you I didn't do my first Oklahoma drill until I was 11, 12 years old. And so um, when I'm grilling the coaches on this because there has to be when we're talking about pee wee football, when we're talking about football as a whole, and we're focusing on concussions and um, brain uh, injuries and long-term brain effects of football and all that, you can't have these kids not tackling right at six, seven, eight years old. And so um, this, granted, this video happened in 2020. It's not in 2021, but like the, still that the, the incident happened and you just have to think about how many other cultures are actually doing, how many PV leagues there are in the United States and how many cultures are actually doing this type of drill and mix mismatching these kids. And so one thing about it, when I play PV football, um, there was a weight that we had to hit. There was a maximum weight and a minimum weight that we had to hit mm. each and every week. And if we did not hit that weight, we either played up or we played down. And so that because we had to, only because to make kids in the same weight class because they're trying to make it safe for them. Now, granted, you still have some big body boys at 10, 12, 11 years old, but they're within that weight limit. And so it's not too it's not too big of a disadvantage. But when you look at the 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 video the kid was at least about a good six inches taller than the kid than the small kid and he had a, he looked heavier the kid looked like oh yeah like like drop of water the kid was light that got knocked out and so when we have to be better if we're talking football numbers have dropped for for the past five years as far as activity and uh, participation if we're looking at participation we want more participants man we got to be this is where the impact happens at, at that peewee kid level. And so we have to be better at showing kids how to properly tackle by wrapping up and or even showing kids how to properly run the ball and not dropping their heads. And so um you like it's so it's so much can happen once a player 
kid, adult, or kid, high school, college, or professional, once they drop their heads, so much can happen. And so we look at um, the different injuries as far as brain injuries and all that, and uh, different uh, concussions, uh, spinal injuries, it's like any type of impact on the head is could go any other way. And so it's very scary. It's scary when you see it happen at such a young age. And, um, and, and it's, this grill was hard for me because like, I love football and I played at such a young, I started playing at such a young age. Right. And like when we were playing in high school, concussions weren't that big of a thing. And I said, mm -hmm. I think I, I probably played with at least two concussions in high school. Oh yeah. And, probably three it probably three just thinking about my thoughts and so but just because it wasn't that big of a it wasn't that big of an issue when we were playing high school it didn't really come out to issue when we were in college and we weren't playing no more mm -hmm. but like it's now that there's so much science behind it so much um focus on it right now that even the NFL has the penalty for for both players on offensive defense if they drop their heads. It's like there needs to be focus on it at that young age level, and just show them how to properly tackle, man. It's like this, or show them how to properly run the ball. It's like there shouldn't be no Oklahoma drills at seven or eight years old, man. There's you're way too they're way too young for it. They just need to learn how to wrap up and and uh, give a good hit and wrap up. And so that's what I feel like needs to happen. And I hope those coaches got punished. Uh, Pee Wee, uh, I think it was Pop Warner who's yeah. in league. And I believe they uh, they brought some harsh punishment down to the organization. And so not only like it's not only the team, it's the whole organization that gets punished. So with it and so um, and Pop Warner is a league I played in growing up. And so like it's very even more disappointing because I grew up in that league. And so it is and after seeing that video, man, it really helped confirmed the fact that I need to get back in, I need to get into Pop Warner coaching because like this is the issue that I've always <laughs> called out on it's like they need to be properly tackling and so like we me and you have had some big hits in our career especially in high school but we weren't lowering our heads we know how to we we got big pots because we hit the, we hit the person properly mm -hmm. and so like like the big hits come from a proper hit not from head to head head to head contact they come from a proper hit laying your shoulder into the chest of that other player lifting them up with powering through driving through real legs and going down to the ground not slam down just going down to the ground you don't have, you shouldn't have, never have to slam somebody to the ground should never have to hit somebody with your head to take somebody down or even as a running back you should never have to lower your head to knock somebody on their back just lower your shoulder square into their chest and run through and so that's how you tackle that's how you run with the ball and like this there's no there should be no lowering the head no head to head contact man like this there's that's this embarrassing and so um that's that's our that's my grill <laughs> no that I, I feel you on that man. i feel it, it, close to your heart ain't it <laughs> it is man, just that a little bit. with it <laughs> but yeah i mean like you're saying though for me when i saw it I was, I was just thinking like what's the benefit of this whatsoever what's the benefit of you know this current drill because it's not being done correctly and what's the benefit of matching these two players up who are so evenly uh, unevenly matched up and for any person who either has played football before or is maybe an adult, you can see that how this is going to play out if they go full speed. You already know how it's going to play out. You right. know? So at that point, you're just basically like, hey, come up here and get ran over and just take it like a man, even though he's a little boy. And that's part of football. But uh, but for me, I'm like, well, not until you get to either middle school or high school, do you have to like say, OK, my size is my size. I got to go out there and play right. at that age is about learning about the game. 
instructional. So when you get to the high level, you have a better chance of playing or even still liking the game. Because really, I mean, if I'm a little kid just getting ran over every day, you know, getting speared in my chest or whatever, am I going to still want to play football? It's like, maybe not. <laughs> uh, I mean, if I have other options, it's like, why well, don't keep doing this? When it's like, well, maybe when you get older, you could actually have the growth spurt and actually be good at football and enjoy playing it. But you'll never know that because, you know, some some coach somewhere decided to get get his job by having some other kid run you over over and over again. Exactly. Um, another thing with the actual drill is even if it was for instructions, they even they didn't have the little kid even tackling properly. Like he no. ran forward, turned his body and squared up to him and then got hit by the kid. So it was like it wouldn't need a proper form for the tackle, which tells me either that's his first time doing the drill or they haven't been doing it properly for a while. So in that sense, it's like, OK, what's the point? Or maybe it's his first time even being at practice or something. Um, so in that sense, too, it's like you're not even doing that job, right? Trying to teach them the, the proper way of tackling. So overall, it's like you're just doing it because you know how it's going to play out and you think it's going to be fun to see or funny to see someone get ran over. Yeah. Now, when they're like they're that age and, and that young and they're still trying to learn how to play the game, um, it doesn't benefit the smaller kid. It doesn't benefit the bigger kid either because it's like, well, now it's not you're supposed to learn how the drill is supposed to be learned how to do a proper tackle and how to learn how to run through a tackle. Yep. Did any kid get anything, any of that from that drill? No, Zero not at all. It's like all you really, all you really got from it was like, "Hey, I'm a bigger kid. I ran up, ran him over." It's like I learned nothing. It didn't help me become a better football player. Uh, it probably maybe got some kid from not even want to play football anymore. So in that probably. sense, you know, a lot of people were saying that the coaches should actually be not only just punished by the league, but also have some criminal charges brought up. I wasn't opposed to that either because it's like, hey, we. I give my kid to you. He's in your hands. We'll take care of him, protect him. I know it's a physical game because that's a game of football and I signed up for my kid to play it. But if you're having him just kind of just getting, you know, just lit up and jacked up for just for, for your jollies. And Hey, that's at that point, it's child abuse at that point, I would say. Exactly. You know? Yeah. These parents are paying money into pop warning and all that stuff. So uh, the coaches aren't getting paid for it, but it's like, Hey, like you said, you are currently the caretaker of my child. And and even if I'm the dad of the of the running back, of the kid who lowered his head, I'm getting I'm chilling my kid out. And so it's like, hey, that's not how you run through. That's not how you run through a tackler. No, you don't lower your head. Keep your head up. And then and then if I'm the dad of the kid who got knocked out, I'm I'm probably fighting the coach. I ain't gonna lie. I'm probably fighting the coach. Bro, you know, yeah, exactly. Because it's like how how hard is it to be like, hey, this kid is like three times the size let yes. me switch them out with somebody else exactly. and then they can do the drill correctly or even then if you go have that if you go have that matchup at least have a proper t- like like you said show them how to properly do the drill or properly make the tackle or go half speed or something do half something speed. to actually There's have no- it to where they get something out of the drill aside from someone just getting ran Cause, over because even now that i'm thinking about it, the drill was set up wrong and so like the there was a there was a big it wasn't like a, a v where like at the top it connects there was a distance between so like like you said they had to turn the square it wasn't like the kid had to make a an angle tackle on the on the running back no it was that's not they didn't even properly set up the drill so that's even no. more piss, that even more pissed me off man <laughs> so it's like there's like so much wrong <laughs> with the video it is is that's but like the whole purpose of this grill is like if if y'all listening, you have kids in football. Um, a lot of kids are actually playing flag football up to age 10 now. I believe that's that's in a lot of leagues in Texas, which is fine. But, like, if your kids are out there playing tackle of football, make sure that, like, as parents, y'all need to take onus on it, like, making sure that your kids are actually making the right plays as far as tackling and running the ball. Make sure they're not dropping their heads, man, because, like, it could cause damage. It could cause internal damage. It could cause, cause long-term damage that that – that shouldn't have happened. And so at that football's a fun game and it's like, it, it could be, a, it can be a very safe game, but 
it has to be taught properly. It's one of those, it's the sport that needs to be taught properly. And if they're out there playing right now and they're not getting taught properly, y'all need to go against, y'all need to go against with the proper authorities within the organization and get these coaches out. And these coaches, and the coaches, y'all need to be dedicated to actually training on how to play football at the right way and at the right, the right way. And, and they're simply the right way. It's as simple as it, man. And so, and, and again, you don't have to have like a kid getting like lit up. Just like, Oh, it's, it's a toughen them up. It's like, no, it's, it's not, <laughs> that doesn't toughen them up. I was like, I didn't even play for you football. I played in middle school and then high school going forward. And I didn't have a problem being tough at all. It's like, it doesn't have to be from a little age. You have to get beat up to be tough. It isn't, it's more of a mindset than them getting beat down when they're a little kid. So a lot of people, like, I think Derek mentioned like in the comments are saying like, Oh, you know, this football is part of the game. It's tough as them up. You know, he has, he has a girl from it. And I'm like, that, no, that's not that's not how it works. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's a lot of damage that can happen at that seven, eight year old range if you're as a kid playing sports, man. And so you get you can have one bad thing happen to you. You didn't never go play sports again. And so um, I was like, because there are a lot, a lot of people that we experienced in high school who were tough off, off the field, but when it came to getting hit on the field, it's it's a different mentality and different game when you have to yeah. get on the field and start hitting or getting hit. So it, exactly again, it's just more of a mindset thing, less of you know a background type of thing. That's why people from all walks of life can play football because it's more of mindset, not just because I got beat up all the time when I was younger. I beat a lot of people up when I was younger. It's like, no, yeah. it's more yeah. about the game, understanding the game, and also having that mindset of being okay with either getting hit or hitting somebody. Football is a big mental game just as much as it is physical. And so there's a lot of big dudes that were with us. on. Like, if you look at any high school football team, the freshman, the freshman team is always the largest. Oh, that yeah. freshman class is always large. But once it gets to that sophomore, it shrinks down. Junior is shrinks down, and he's senior. And most of the teams probably have 20, 25 seniors on the varsity team, if yep. that, if that. And so it goes from like 75 all the way down to 25. <laughs> yeah, and that's even so at, And even at that, those 25, probably two of them, or probably a small percentage even goes to the next level. And even it goes to, that's how football goes. It goes by mental mindset. And so, but heck, we got, it's got to be better. It's got to be better. I'm going to look into signing up for being a coach. <laughs> we'll make a team well done, right. well done master chef ed you do well there man thank you sir that's the first the first the first the first the first grill <laughs> of the season <laughs> um so yeah so OT, um working minicap is about to, is wrapping up for the cowboys otas is not too far away they are going to oxnard um california they will have fans um, so uh, we'll, we we will have some some film to see from these OTAs and practices. Dak will be is uh, said to be good to go for OTAs, so that's going to be interesting to see what will happen. And so uh, it's it's coming around, man. It's coming around quick, fast, and in a hurry. Um, next episode, we're trying. Um, we're probably going to do our predictions for the season. Um, oh, I don't know, already, huh? I'm thinking about. I probably. We'll see. We'll see. We'll yeah, see. we can we can talk about it. We'll we'll, we'll see. see. But uh, we'll we'll see if we, uh y'all probably won't hear from us until after OTAs a little bit, and but uh we'll unless some major news happens, but we'll figure it out. But once I promise you guys, once the season hits, rocking and rolling every week, and hopefully go five more weeks into the after the break. <laughs> <laughs> slow down, there. Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. No matter what, we'll be here for you guys every week of the season for sure. For sure. For sure. Daniel, say goodbye to the people. So long, people. Love y'all. You know what I'm saying? I'm good to be back. I'm looking forward to the season once again. So let's get it, man. Let's get it. As always, y'all, 
I'm your boy Ed White, aka Trey Blanco. Follow me at Trey underscore Blanco, the real Trey Blanco. Be blessed, be peace, be love. We out. Peace.